Welcome to Roundhouse Roulette, a Walker, Texas Ranger podcast. Each week we recap and review one of the 200 existing Walker, Texas Ranger episodes randomly selected by Roundhouse Roulette. I'm Evan Dalton, here with my brother Adam. Hello, hello. And a man who once drank a guillotine, a bloody bowl, and an ashtray in one sitting, Mr. Bob Leahy. How you guys doing? <laughs> I, mean, I didn't I know, know it was. I didn't know it was tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would order anything like that, but okay. <sighs> Frankly, I would have turned you away, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just the ranger in me. Well, we'd like to thank you all for joining us as we revisit Chuck Norris's late arrival to the 1990s swing band revival. Today, we'll recap and review Season 9, Episode 14, Saturday Night, where Walker and his fellow rangers work to tear down a mob ring in Dallas that's threatening the livelihood of Frank Stallone. <laughs> but before we put on our zoot suits, crank up the squirrel nut zippers, and jump, jive, and wail, join us as we pull up a stool at CD's Bar and Grill. Hey, guys. Hey! Fancy meeting you at this fine establishment. <laughs> Bottom it all, eh? I heard they had a lounge singer tonight. <laughs> oh, we definitely... We, yeah, there's there's going to be some singing tonight for sure. I love hanging out at CD's place. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that CD is such a crooner. He's got the sharp bite. <laughs> the bee sting. <laughs> the pearly whites. Tonight, CD is serving up not a shark, but an owl in the form of a Santilli American IPA from Night Shift Brewing in Everett, Mass. They've mm-hmm. got a pretty dope logo here that's like... It's a hop, yeah, in the shape of an owl. Yeah. They look kind of like uh, the marijuana nuggets. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, you know, it's the hop. Whatever they mash up and make beer out of. Yeah. I think CD, you know, again, he loves to do theme beers for the episode. And the episode's titled Saturday Night. I mean, he brought us the Night Shift Brewing Company. So mm-hmm. he's on it again. All right. Well, according to the uh, bar and grill menu... This beer pours bright gold with a nose of grapefruit zest and pine needles. Ouch. Begins with big citrus flavors and finishes clean, pleasantly bitter, and crisp. A boldly flavored, beautifully balanced, smooth sipping IPA for every occasion. You guys ready to test that out? Mm. I'm ready to clock in for this (laughs) night shift here. (laughs) It is suitable for every occasion, including a Saturday night. And it looks like on the back of the can here, it won, well, it, it won a bronze medal at the 2016 World Beer Cup. So, Yeah, I think it's about time you take that off your can. <laughs> well, what about, what about PBR? <laughs> well, that's, that's different. True. I mean, that was the Blue Ribbon. I've got one of those for reference right here. <laughs> Selected as America's Best in 1893. <laughs> That's a gold medal, though. You know, it's different. It's a blue ribbon. Yeah, the bronze medal is. That's true. We don't really know what the World Beer Cup is, let alone 
what a bronze award even means. There could have been 40 bronze awards. Could be. It's true. Okay. I can chill on this. It is balanced. It's got bitterness, but it's not like going to knock you out. Yeah, I think this is like their flagship. The go-to. They're most popular. Yeah. That's pretty good. If you've ever been to the place in uh, Everett, it's right across the street from the Teddy Peanut Butter Factory. That's in Massachusetts? Yeah, it's in Everett. Right across the street from this place. And certain wow. times of night, you can get a nice scent out there. Mm. Okay. <laughs> peanut, but- peanut butter and hops. Yeah. <laughs> they do any uh, collabs? <laughs> Not that I know of, but you know what? Like, There's people that do peanut butter stouts and stuff like that. It's yep. kind of obvious that's Adam's, Like That's one of Adam's favorite beers. I mean, the, that's one of the best beers at the brewery by us. Peanut butter milk stout. Yeah, that seems like a no-brainer. Get out of that IPA game and get yourself a peanut butter beer. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like this. It's good beer. Well, you guys were hitting me pretty hard for going down the rabbit hole of getting into uh, Teen Beat Magazine and all these teen stars that just happened to come up when I was tagging some posts for Forest Warrior, you know? You didn't look for him at all. No, I didn't. I wasn't intentionally looking for him. And, you know, I just... I friend of the podcast mike rooney reached out to me and um he said listen adam there is no such thing as too much research or going too far down the rabbit hole as someone who spends a lot of time in rabbit holes myself i appreciate your endless dedication and tireless work to make sure we have all the information you are our generations andy weir or dan carlin don't let those others discourage you you keep doing you dog who's andy weir or Dan Carlin. Bob, I have no idea, but let's not go down a rabbit hole trying to figure oh, that I out. I see. Yeah. yeah. Trying to bait us in. <laughs> I That's think Mike trying to bait us in. <laughs> yeah. It looks it's not like even Adam. Gotcha. He's trying to like <laughs> bait by association. <laughs> it's okay. I went down a couple rabbit holes this week. This is going to be a good one. Uh, so we just got a special shout out from our uh, super fan, Elena, who's going through some tough times right now. And trying to cope with that with a little bit of roundhouse roulette and we just want to say thank you for uh your kind words to us and despite our better interest we'll probably keep doing the podcast so uh as long as you keep listening we'll keep doing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hope the times get better and thanks for coming along in this journey yeah thank you again for listening and and we're honored that you are listening and and hanging out with us uh, because quite honestly it's amazing that anybody is listening to us here really surprising yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah perhaps most surprising is our international or seemingly international fan base so shout out to those overseas yeah you are helping us prove that the ridiculousness of walker texas ranger is uh, universal amongst all (laughs) between all cultures yes it (laughs) transcends continents cultures language really is the great unifier of our time And I don't want to burst any bubbles, but law enforcement in the United States does not work like this. (laughs) (laughs) So for those who listen to our cast, uh, you might know that we posted up some vintage Chuck Norris action figures on our shop. Each sale of one of those figures helps us pay for a month of hosting. And our friend Gilbert of the Talented Slackers again stepped up to the plate to uh, be complicit in supporting Roundhouse Roulette. When we uh, posted up a picture of one of the action figures, he posted on Twitter, eight-year-old me is giddy because I have 43-year-old me's credit card. 
<laughs> That's relatable right there. It, and then he immediately purchased the action figure. So uh, Amazing. I hope he's enjoying it. And it's the probably the coolest looking Chuck Norris figure that looks closest to what he looks like in Walker. For those who watch Full Contact or listen to our podcast about it, uh, we referenced the Dallas Sportatorium, which featured pretty heavily in that episode. Um, Sportatorium! <laughs> and we put up a pretty cool article about it that we found that kind of talked about it being torn down after it was sold to developers. But Elvis Presley actually performed there in the 50s, and uh, it was a pretty storied venue in Dallas. But uh, yeah, pretty soon after this episode, Full Contact, they tore it down. And we heard from front of the show Mignon, uh, who was the script supervisor for pretty much the whole series. And so she was probably had to be in this place for a considerable amount of yeah. time. <laughs> and uh, what'd she say there? She said, that was a scary building, which is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was made of scaffolding and chain link fence covered with boards. <laughs> Fold out stadium seating with a boxing ring in the middle. So yeah, it sounds that's like kind of what I was picturing. Yeah. <laughs> Fold out seating. So the question is what events would take place in there where they'd have to push the seating back to make more room for something? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe basketball, you know? Or kids gym class. That's the only time I remember we had those. Yeah. Like roller derby, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, roller derby, sure. Mm. Um chicken fighting. <laughs> it could have been legal at that time in Texas. We don't know. Might still be legal. It might <laughs> still be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just surprised that they actually filmed inside the real sportatorium. I just thought they would have used like a stock footage of the sportatorium sign, but right. they don't have fast things on Walker. No, or they they could have filmed the outside, and then the inside could have been somewhere else that wasn't going to fall over on right. poor Mignon. <laughs> They they packed that place up with all those cheering kids and stuff. Yep, yep. Those kids, that was a living liability, the waiver they had to sign to go into that place. All, all 12 of the kids when they got yeah. six seats or whatever? Yeah, every single one of them <laughs> left with tetanus. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> they needed boosters. Yeah. Or they got feather lice from the chicken fighting. Mm, yeah, that's true. Well, interesting. Glad you made it out alive, Mignon. That's all I'm saying. Also on the socials, kind of in relation to that episode, uh, we follow the Kickstart Kids on Instagram, and they posted up a Flashback Friday post where they showed their origins. They used to be kicked drugs out of America, and they must have had some associations with uh, Chuck Norris, so that was a real thing, not just in the Walkerverse. Right, yeah, so as you'll recall Ooh. in the Full Contact episode... Joey Prado was a, a product of Kick Drugs Out of America. In the show. So I guess they spun it out into real life at some point, too. Um, so it was a karate program for kids to kick drugs. And at some point, maybe after the kind of the war on drugs got a little too stigmatized, or they were like, hey, we should maybe bring the focus back to karate, not just have drugs in the name. You're putting the word drugs on every kid's gee if you really want to do that <laughs> so they probably rebranded as kickstart kids nice we had been questioning this before on the podcast because we knew kickstart kids was out there but we didn't know if kick drugs out of america was an actual thing it is they threw up a throwback patch for flashback friday on their instagram so kdoa baby 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Evan, there's been a lot of um, reaction to your <laughs> gifts of the week. Yeah, so Evan's been doing uh, a GIF of the week and choosing one from each episode, which is kind of hard sometimes. Uh, but the one you chose from Lucas Part 1 oh. w- was Walker <laughs> hitting a golf ball, okay, or playing mini golf with Haley Joel Osment and missing. I mean, Walker doesn't lose, so we knew something was wrong here. But um, it's amazing. What, what happened when we posted that online? These people are amazing. They they pointed out. I'm surprised we missed this. I'm surprised. I know. Frankly, I'm surprised you missed it, Evan. But um, Walker hits a blue ball and then he misses, right? But the ball yeah. that misses the hole is red. <laughs> so, so here's yeah. what I think happened. Yeah, he probably hit a hole in one. Exactly. And they edited that out, and then him grimacing when the red ball misses. Is it because Haley Joel Osment missed? Exactly. And actually, if you look, Haley Joel Osment's club is red, and it looks like he's holding a red ball as well. Right. Yes. Uh, Yep. (laughs) So so initially, they were like, and in this montage, Walker wins at everything, (laughs) and Haley Joel Osment doesn't. (laughs) And then in post, they're like, wait a second. This kid's going to die. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, wait, I need to go. We need to watch the rest of the episode because Haley Joel Osment does hit a hole in one. Is it a blue ball that goes in? I'm looking this up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We need to get to the bottom of this. If anyone out there wants to go check this out, it's on our Instagram or our socials. Um, and it's the gif of Walker and uh, Haley Joel Osment doing putt putt. All right. Watching it right now. Haley Joel Osment puts the red ball down, he lines up. Oh, and the red ball goes in. Okay, so they definitely had they definitely had Walker schooling him in golf, pretty much. And then the editing room was like, "Yeah, no, that goes against the whole point of this episode." <laughs> Boy, that such an odd scene with the weird fake calypso music and the yeah. MIDI crash symbols. Okay, and, and again, yeah, this is like Walker in the most domestic situation we've seen. Fish out of water here. No, he's in water. He's in a bumper boat. <laughs> he just does do the bumper boats. Well, thank you all for doing all that sleuth work. Yeah. We, clearly, we dropped the ball on this one. Literally, but, uh, yeah. Shout out to Craig ball. Smith and uh, Jimmy Ply on Facebook for pointing that out to us here. We also got a little bit of social media fallout from posting up that ridiculous powerboat race between Chuck Norris and Kurt Russell. Uh, so, in response to the powerboat race... Roundhouse Roulette superfan Elena one-upped us here and found an even more vintage race that uh, <laughs> it looks a lot like something you'd see in Lone Wolf McQuaid. Uh, most definitely. This is the somewhat insigrevious nice. Gary Owens, and I've got something that will really make your Krellman's crawl. It's an off-road race <laughs> in the southern Nevada desert called the Frontier 500. And with the hundreds of vehicles coming out here, they just might have to start calling it the Frontier 500 Heavy Traffic Sigler. You want to avoid that off-road traffic jam? Stay put in Las Vegas, where the stakes are high. But I just ate one anyway. You can walk everywhere here and watch some celebrities at the nice. Frontier Hotel no who couldn't resist. Is that a celebrity? I have no idea. <laughs> of the tubes was first in line. And right behind him, actor nice. karate expert Chuck Norris. 
Next came motorcycle champ Brock Glover. This group is sure to bring on one unforgettable spectacle called the Celebrity Off-Road Grudge Match. Dude, look at that, look at that buffet spread. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Some chicken wings back there, son? Looks a little picked over. What better place to avoid traffic jams than in the baking heat of the Nevada desert? Where tomorrow the celebrity team, along with hundreds of other racers from all over the world, will compete in the longest, most difficult off-road course in North America. So make yourself up a big glass of ice water and sit back, because I've got my feet well planted in the hot sand to nice. give you every sizzling detail. Yes, the Frontier 500 is really going to be a semi-insegrevious experience which is sure to fill your nerve endings with dust and your eyelids with food. <laughs> eyelids with what? Food? Is that a good thing? Fill, fill your nerve endings with dust and your eyelids with food? Dude, this music. Oh, man, yeah, there you go. Oh, my. Way Bill is here. So are rock stars Jimmy Pankow from the group Chicago and Steve Lukather, lead guitar for Toto. Gem. That's a gem. And Aaron Norris is there too. <laughs> to be a fly in the wall out there, huh? Steve Lukather. Yeah. What? <laughs> Congratulations, Aaron. Thank you very much. Harry That's Aaron Norris right there. Yeah. Aaron Norris looks like Johnny Damon. He, he, does, he does. <laughs> ah, here comes Chuck. After letting oh, here comes Chuck. For the last hour, Chuck's Chuck's driving my favorite truck. Asking when they're going to get there as they come in for a second place Nissan celebrity finish. Uh, Just take your helmet with you. I'll uh, so uh, Aaron won. Oh, wow, Chuck Norris Everybody got beat by his brother. Desert, is, is there nobody left? Uh, we're not sure. Maybe Steve and Jimmy. Is that it? Yeah. What happened to uh, Fee? He missed a turn in his truck. That's Eric pitch. Norris. He did. Yeah. So we're the only two that finished. Director huh? of Walker. Yeah, Chuck Norris' son. Proud oh, mom, if I ever so it's really a family affair here. <laughs> well, Chuck, how was it? Nice shades on her. I mean, the race. Oh, is he crushing a pearl beer? Good. I think he's drinking Miller Lite. Oh, Miller. We got lost three times. You were only four minutes behind. Four? Right behind Brock Glover and your brother Aaron. Really? We would have won if we yeah. hadn't got lost. And plus, when we got stuck, too. Right in the beginning, right when we left, we, we got stuck, stuck for about 20 minutes to get out of the stupid ditch. In the beginning? Huh? In the beginning? Yeah, right, yeah. Excuses. Yeah. Have a good time, Kent? Well, uh, I mean, Have a good time, Kent? A good time compared to what? The hell is that? We had a good time. It was good. We, we did pretty good for neither one of us ever having done this before. I think we did pretty good. Do it so, again? Ah, what the heck? Yeah, sure. The race may be over for some of the celebrities, but it isn't for other classes of vehicles. Unlike the 125-mile race which the celebrities run, they'll be bumping over boulders like a cocktail shaker on another... <laughs> bumping over boulders like a cocktail shaker. Can we get this guy on a podcast? <laughs> we need yeah, to. Th I think he's probably dead, but this is pretty, yeah, uh, this is pretty intense. Yeah. Gotta hand it to Elena there. That is um, quite the gem. The fact that it's the Norris trifecta, it's the uh, Chuck Norris, his, his brother Aaron Norris, and Chuck Norris's son, Eric Norris, all participating, along with legendary Toto guitarist Steve <laughs> Lukather. So, you know, if you've ever rocked out to the song uh, Rosanna, which, which you have. highly recommended, yeah. 
Steve Lukather is the guy taking a guitar to the next level in the last 10 seconds of that oh, song. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which, I, if I remember correctly, when Bob was leaving Nashville, we did one last karaoke and I dedicated a, a version of Rosanna to Bob, but I chained it to, Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. <laughs> that was it. What was the name of that place? Uh, Cragnackers. <laughs> you guys down right. south have the most absurd bar names. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Second only to Walker, Texas Ranger. But I think that's a reason why Bob left Tennessee was that performance, probably. I was on the uh, fence, and then that sealed the deal. Yeah. Not the, not the fact that you took him to a place called Cragnackers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Crag never... He, he brought that Cragnackers home with him, so... <laughs> So our friend Armando with the Talented Slackers reached out to us after we posted up our podcast on Forest Warrior and pretty much said, man, I kind of want to check this out now. He hadn't seen it before. <laughs> and <laughs> and so I was like, man, I kind of want to hear the Talented Slackers take that on, you know. So Gilbert also chimed in. And he's like, let's do it. I mean, it couldn't be any worse than Terror in Beverly Hills starring Frank Stallone and our walkestrator, Adam, chimed in, Terror in Beverly Hills is in a league of its own. So, of course, I was like, dude, I got to check this movie out. And I had no idea that Sylvester Stallone had a brother named Frank Stallone. Did you guys know that? I think I did, but I never really knew anything that he had done. Apparently, he did like one of the big songs in the first Rocky movie because they didn't have a budget for it. So, Sylvester was like, oh, well... Can you get, make some music for the movie? That kind of thing. And also, they actually made a sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which I never knew. Did you know that? No. Yes, it is called Staying Alive. <laughs> and that video is on the website for this, okay, awesome. this episode. It is special. Well, yeah, apparently, <laughs> they named that sequel, which no one remembers because apparently it was not very good. Um, they named it after the song Staying Alive, but they couldn't secure the rights to staying alive, so they hired Frank Stallone to do the whole soundtrack. <laughs> Which was Grammy-nominated. Yeah. So that's kind of his uh, claim to fame, is doing the soundtrack to... Saturday Night Fever. Right. But the original okay. movie's known for its music, which is right. not his. The lead single from it is called Far From Over, and he sings and plays guitar on it. And it reached the Billboard Top 10. That's nothing to scoff at. You can scoff at the era that this happened in. This was 1983. and uh, mm, That's the year I came out. So uh, uh, Fashion and music yeah. were in flux, we'll say. Probably at their peak, I, I would say. Oh, oh yeah. Most <laughs> all time. That's, that was it. It's all downhill when, uh, since then. Steve Lukather was shredding, right? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Well, needless to say, when I heard that the Slackers thought this movie was terrible and was ridiculous, I had to go out and buy the DVD. As you can see on the cover, it says Terror in Beverly Hills, and it shows Frank Stallone cocking like a, a shotgun. Yeah. And they have Stallone extremely big and Frank extremely yeah, small yeah. on the <laughs> top. So, so you yep. feel like, uh, oh, is this a Sylvester Stallone movie? Stallone's in it? Okay. Okay. It's a legit cool cover, though. But he looks like Bon Scott in this, the original singer from ACDC. <laughs> yeah. But watch the movie, and it was really grainy. Frank Stallone was probably in it for about 15 minutes. 
nonsensical. He essentially was pulled out of retirement to rescue the president's daughter who was kidnapped by Italian terrorists. Solid. It was out of control. Adam, our Walker Strader, said, that movie's a I'm setting fire to my eyeballs feature. So <laughs> I, I'll pull up the trailer just so you guys can get kind of a taste of the kind of movies this guy makes, Frank Stallone. Now the woman, Aziza, who's part of our team, has secured a location outside of the city where you will hold the target hostage. He said he was a friend of yours. As long as he's alive, my life is always on the edge. <laughs> you are a friend of this Abdul guy. I'm retired. I'm a private citizen now. I just, uh. If you try any more rescue attempt, I'll throw out the window, President Daughter! President Daughter! He has only a few more hours! <laughs> I don't know that that was a trailer as the whole movie in two seconds. Right. It's more like a greatest hits. My favorite is the guy, like, they're really big into squibs back then, so... This the guy like at the beginning who's just like standing there with a shirt like this so that like the jacket he's wearing doesn't get destroyed by the squibs. Oh he's yeah, just gonna, yeah, like, like, yep, yep. I gotta, he's like, I've got to go to church on Sunday. Right. He's like, okay, I'll do this, but I'm not ruining my jacket for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, so needless to say, the moment we spun this week's episode and we knew that Frank Stallone was going to be in this, I had to let the uh, slackers and Adam know. Gilbert was saying that he must have paid to get on there. You think? Yeah. I don't know. Was he selling? Well, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay, so White House, Frank Stallone. Ready for this? Frank Stallone in concert at the White House. Do you believe this happened? Wow. Sure. <laughs> yes. What was the date here? Uh, 2010 is when it was published. Well, do you see a president or anything? Nope. I was, yeah, going through it, looking for president or any crowd shots. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just... Well, no, it has the clicks. presidential seal on the floor there. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was for the president, and it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody was even in the hall. Right. Okay. Or that this has anything to do with the real. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just... For, I mean, we need to close the circle here. White House Theater, all right? Branson, it's Missouri. It's in Branson, Missouri. <laughs> if we see the images, oh, it's sure. Let's see the oh, images. See if is. we can see inside. Does the stage uh, have the presidential seal on it, though? He might have had that brought in. Yeah, I mean, I would if I would. It's him. I'd be like, hey, you know, when we put the seal. It looks like I'm playing at the it's White just House. Intentionally misleading people. <laughs> so, all right, over or under that he performed at the White House Theater at the White House or the White House Theater at Branson, Missouri. Branson, he seems Missouri. more like a Branson, Missouri act to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot to cover this week, so let's get back into it. If you're watching along at home and don't want any spoilers, hit that pause button and watch Season 9, Episode 14, Saturday Night, and come right on back to us. 
Oh, welcome back. This episode originally aired on February 10th, 2001. So it's like a Valentine's Day episode. And uh, it opens with a classic season nine <laughs> jarring digital zoom into an old warehouse. <laughs> Someone's about to get dunked into a vat of acid. Yeah, these goons have this guy. They're essentially trying to convince this guy that, hey, you got to give us a cut of your share of money from your business. They're trying to convince him by dangling him over a vat of acid, which is pretty convincing. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my go-to techniques when I do this kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like, I'll give you all my contacts. And they're like, actually, we got your contact book, so we're just going to dunk you. <laughs> they kick it off by dropping them in the vat of acid. Yeah. So they brutally murder a dude. <laughs> but uh, the music is like goofy, swanky big band music. Yeah. Which is the theme of the episode uh, from the music side. Definitely. Right. And so it's like this swanky, goofy big band music while they're just like murdering a dude. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Ah, he's murdered. <laughs> yeah. We dunked him. <laughs> he's got the slam. <laughs> Dissolving an acid, ma'am. Yeah. Cut to Frank's spot. And uh, what's Frank's spot? I'll tell you, the first thing, when I saw the outside of this building, I'm like, this looks like a elementary school or maybe yes. a library. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. a really, doesn't look like uh, what we learn it to be, which is a nightclub. Yeah. It looks like an elementary school that they added an awning to. <laughs> yeah. And on the second floor, they put up a sign that says Frank Spot up top, <laughs> yeah. but didn't change anything else about it. No. But inside... It mm. looked like just a jazz lounge, you know? Like the White House Theater. Yeah, so swanky. <laughs> Very much like the White House Theater. So swanky. <laughs> and uh, who's the leader of the swank? Well, turns out to be Frank Stallone's character's name is Frank, and he's a singer mm. in this episode, which we're treated to his Frank Sinatra-style singing. Mm. I'd like to refer to him as a uh, fake Sinatra. What did he call himself? Uh, what was he? The Frankster. I think I'm going to call him the Frankster the rest of the episode. I mean, <laughs> one in Rome, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what he calls himself. Uh, so the Frankster's singing up on stage there. <laughs> Saturday night is the loveliest night of the week. <laughs> right. And so we're kind of like, oh, well, the episode's name is Saturday night. And um, I'm, I'm just going to get there right now. I was really hoping that they would be able to use Saturday Night Balling in this episode. Yeah, but it became pretty clear that that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That, and for listeners who don't know, there's this uh, rap song, Saturday Night Ballin', that the music director for Walker in earlier seasons just reused whenever they needed hip-hop music. And it's actually awesome. Uh, it's by the artist Slow Pain. So... When I saw the, the title of the episode, I was like, please have them slide it in. But immediately off the bat, even the background soundtrack is all like kind of a big band swings. Oh, yeah. Swanky, swanky big band, baby. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, slow pain is not going to make an appearance in this. Yeah. However, the Franks are singing Saturday night on stage and camera pans over. And who's enjoying his swanky singing? But Walker and Alex sitting at one of the tables, presumably with the Frankster's wife and daughter. And it's uh, pretty clear that it seems like Frank is a hashtag old friend here. 
Yeah, it doesn't bode well for him. No, no it rarely does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this episode, mm, it reminded me of the period of time that uh, everyone kind of agreed to forget, which was sort of around like 1998, 99, where in America, we decided that swing bands were cool again. And yeah. bands like the Cherry Poppin' Daddies and uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra and yeah. the Squirrel Nut Zippers. It was all yeah. because of The Mask. I know. In the movie The Mask, which is one of the worst movies of all time. It really is. Smoking. Oh, my God. They all brought back swing dancing. And, um, really you know, it was really big for about a, a year. And then, like I said, I think we all just kind of collectively agreed that that never happened. That was a mistake. And <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge mistake. Did that slowly back yeah. away from But, uh, <laughs> you know, who likes to uh, take fads that are two or three years past their sell-by date and jump back into them? <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger. Exactly. Oh, and no. I was thinking. <laughs> and uh, boom, we're right back into it with the swing music here. You know, Walker and Alex, they're old friends and... They're like, oh, we'll have to do dinner sometime. And they're like, that sounds great. Oh, that's so great. You're really doing some great business here. And he's like, yeah, it's the hopping in place. Right. You're right. There's a really awkward exchange where uh, Alex is like, oh, Frank singing while he's looking right in your eyes. It's so sexy. Oh, gross. <laughs> so, so gross. <laughs> And uh, Walker's like, you're really making it hard for all of us guys, Frank. <laughs> right. And I was waiting for, for Chuck Norris to be like, I sing too. The theme song. Oh, God. That's true. That's very unlike Walker. Because yeah. she's, like, she's like, you don't sing. And he's like, that's true. But, right. you know, in a couple seasons prior, he would have been like, I do sing occasionally. And they like stare right at the camera. And they'd be like, <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> and he heard himself on the radio remember yeah yeah it, the, yep. yeah when they actually oh my gosh played yep. the theme song in the show itself fourth wall break right there yes. that's, that's mind-bending so what's happening with frank <laughs> so anyways after the show frank's wife is all like oh our daughter's out for the night she'd come home early and he's like okay i just have to pay off this loan shark <laughs> and then right. we'll be free and she's like okay yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't wait for you to pay him off so you won't owe them any money and have them over us anymore. Right. We'll have no association whatsoever once we give them this money. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. And, you know, let's, um, you know, celebrate that by, well, what do, what do you think we're going to do, Frankster? And then he's like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and they kind of beat around the bush about. Okay. They're going to do it. That's, uh, my money's on that. <laughs> Pay their taxes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, the, the show aired in February. That's prime tax season. So you get it done yeah. early. Yeah. yeah. You pay off your bookie, and then you do your taxes. <laughs> right. And uh, in this case, his uh, loan shark is named Sonny, and he's played by this actor, John Mariano, who's had a storied career. My favorite IMDb uh, notification for this guy is that he was in the uh, short-lived series The Amazing Live Sea Monkeys. Intriguing. <laughs> which is fascinating to me, uh, mostly because I assumed it would have been a cartoon, but it's not. It's live action. And it features Howie Mandel. <laughs> is, is this on uh, Netflix or what? what we got? <laughs> uh, like random clips of it on YouTube. 
So yeah, Sonny, the loan shark comes in and he's all like, Frank, you know what? You can take your last payment. I don't want it. Instead, we're going to become partners here. We're taking half your business. Right. We want half the club. Yeah. Frank's just like, no, I want out. This was going to end our deal. Sonny's like, it's really not in our interest to end the deal. Frank's like, oh, I'm not going to sign this. And then Sonny's big enforcer, a large beefcake by the name of Al, um, he uh, gets a few big gut punches in on Frank. The loudest gut punches I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. And Frank, he's really starting to think twice here. But instead of them making him sign the contract there, they're like, well, we're going to let you think about it for a week. That way we can have a full episode of Walker. <laughs> right. Like, like yeah. we had you bent over in pain, and we're obviously going to force you to sign this no matter what. Right. But why don't you take a week and think about it first before you sign it? Well, and the only reason they did that was because they're like, well, what are we going to call this episode? Oh, well, he can sign the contract on Saturday night. Saturday night. It's the yeah. best night of the week. Yeah, so we'll call the episode Saturday night, and we'll give them a week to uh, sign the contract, and we can work the plot in between those. Mm-hmm. All right, so this guy who plays the beefcake, we've actually seen him before. He was one of the Guardians in The Guardians, our first episode. Oh, He's wow. also in Devil's Turf. He plays one of the beefcakes in that. He's in White Buffalo, which we'll get to. Oh, I can't wait. And uh, he's in Saturday Night along with a few others here. And he also does stunts on movies, including Wayne's World and several Stallone movies. Oh, There's okay. the connection there. Frank Stallone movies? Nope. Sylvester. <laughs> okay. But we'll find that this is quite a family affair here. So it's not surprising to find connections here between the Stallone crew and uh, the uh, Walker crew. Yep. So, yeah, now Frank has a week to think over whether he's going to sign this contract, which he doesn't really have much of a choice in. Right. And uh, this is when the credits roll. When it comes back from the theme song, Walker and Trevette are sort of channeling their uh, CSI here. That's the vibe I got. So, like, it comes back and they're just arriving on a crime scene. Right. And this is the warehouse where the guy was dissolved in a vat of acid. Yeah. Except they wheel a full body out on a gurney. And they were like, oh, yeah, we ID'd him. It's this guy. Yep. <laughs> but he was just he was. dissolved in acid. <laughs> yeah, and later on, they make a point to say it, like, takes him down to the bone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah they, yeah, they say that later. Well, also, how do they transport these giant vats of acid? They can't have endless amounts of warehouses, each with its own vat of acid. It, it seemed like it was the same warehouse each time. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. And so, regardless... Uh, Walker and Trevette, they show up on the scene and they're like, wow, we're starting to think there's something going on here. This is the third person dissolved in acid this week. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you think? They're like, do you think it might be the mob? Mm. (laughs) A plus detective work here. (laughs) We're establishing a pattern. Well, yeah, the A plus detective work was IDing a guy from his dissolved bones instantaneously that's fair yeah but i guess the guy they id'd was like a bookie or something like that so that's one of the reasons they were like oh this could be the mob does dallas have a big uh, italian mafia problem or is it just kind of shoehorned in here because we had frank stallone i think they're just sort of you know they're moving into town for this episode okay okay yeah 
which is kind of makes sense that they're just seeing some of the tactics from the mafia on the police scanner, i.e. dissolved the Nevada of acid. Oh, yeah. Now, we haven't jumped into season eight or nine in a long time here, so I was kind of taken aback by Walker's hair in this. Uh, it was oh. the shortest I've ever seen the back in my life, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah, he looks old, too. <laughs> he looked tired in this episode. Like, yeah, he was kind of done. Well, it was near the end of the last season, so. I think he lost some of the power by cutting cutting the back off. The party oh, totally. in the back was totally. severely lacking. Yeah, it's absolutely. possible. It's really We forgot possible. to mention that Alex is pregnant, and they made note of that in the opening scene, right? Yeah. Right, that's yep. true. They've already been married, and she's preggers, but she was still drinking, so that was good. It's Saturday night, man. Anything goes. Gotta cut loose. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at Frank's spot, Sonny's setting up shop in Frank's office, and he's trying to make himself feel real comfortable when uh, his boss, Mr. Ferrelli himself, wanders in, and he's channeling his inner godfather (laughs) with lots of, like, gentle face slaps and weird eye contact yeah yeah and uh basically we learned that the whole point here is uh to use frank's spot as a money laundering venue yeah which most jazz clubs i mean that's come on it makes sense nobody likes jazz nobody likes swing no (laughs) meanwhile back at the frank's apartment it's a date night here and uh, i guess alex and walker are coming over for dinner because they're that close and uh if Frank's all like, boy, boy, honey, I just wish our apartment were nicer, you know? Right. And she's like, no one cares about that. <laughs> but then after dinner, Alex and Walker are driving home, and Alex is like, you know, Frank's running a pretty fancy restaurant, but uh, yeah. their apartment sucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, please don't judge me for saying this, but uh, um, what gives? They seem to be making a lot of money in this restaurant, but they're living in squalor <laughs> they can't afford to send their kid to college i know they didn't even drink the bottle of wine we brought yeah they, yeah, they brought it back to the it. restaurant to sell <laughs> <laughs> and walker's kind of like i'll talk to him when the time is right yeah it's, so it's kind of like lucas the issue has to be forced and not by walker yeah right. well yeah, the time has to be right and you know yeah. and sometimes yeah. you don't force things that need to come out gently like Lucas having AIDS, or your whole business was just stolen by the mafia. Don't want to force that. Sure. Meanwhile, uh, Sydney and Gage, they're out on the town. They're trying to investigate who's sort of taken out these small-time criminals. They talk to one of their informants, who's uh, a pimp named Luther. (laughs) Yeah. He's about to catch a bus. He's decked out in the leather pimp jacket uh, hat. Yep, leather uh, pork pie hat. Yep. Yep. He's played by Billy Sly Williams, and we've actually seen him before in the episode Angel, <laughs> playing a character named Dredd, who said Mon quite a bit. Oh, Mon. <laughs> oh, Dredd nice. Mon. You know, the angel of death, Mon. So, yeah, they're talking to Luther, and Luther's like, hey, man, it's the Ferrelli mob, and they are crazy, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. They want to shake me down, and I'm supposed to meet them at this place, but I'm heading out of town because they're crazy, and they've been dunking people in acid. And they're like, oh, Luther, that's fine. Thanks for the info. You can go, but do they know what you look like? And he's like, no, they've never seen me. And he leaves. 
So I'm thinking like, oh, Gage is going to go undercover <laughs> as Luther, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. They first off, they need to use Gage and Sydney in the episode, and they just introduced them into this episode. To me, it seemed pretty obvious they went Trivet. They have Trivet stand in as Luther, and uh, he's in a pretty dope outfit. I love this Trivet. Oh uh, yeah. So he's like, <laughs> first off, it's a shame on me for for. Uh, for thinking that Walker, Texas Ranger would shy away from making Trivet a pimp. Okay. That's on <laughs> yeah. me. I, I step you back. You should have known better, dude. I know. I know. This is the final season as well. They haven't learned their lesson. <laughs> no, they're leaning into it. <laughs> I think, you know, if we'd been doing this chronologically, we could have kept a, uh, a running tally of how many times they've made him stand in as a pimp. I think we've seen it twice now. Yeah. I'm going to say at least. <laughs> he looks like the Riddler. Almost. You know what I mean? He's got like a skin-tight green top shirt, a bowler hat that's not green, but if it was, he'd be even more the Riddler. And he's got some chains. Yeah. And his pants, they like button up on the side. Again, Riddler. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, he gets uh, shaken down in what appears to be the same warehouse with the acid vats. So the cops have left. It's still an active crime scene, but they've all left and gone home. Right. <laughs> and the mob's back to boil someone else in acid. And before uh, Trevet shows up, all the guys are standing around this vat of acid looking into it. And it's like, acid doesn't actually look like this. It's just a clear liquid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but instead, they're like staring at this bubbling, like, cauldron of green liquid that's steaming as well for some reason. And they're all like, dude, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the person they're waiting for to meet there is Luther, who Trevette is impersonating. So Trevette shows up, goes in there, and they're like, give me your gun. Trevette hands over his gun, and they drop it in the acid. Yeah, they drop it in the acid, and there's a huge splash from it, which must have hit them. (laughs) (laughs) If that stuff is so dangerous and it got a little spot on you, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, Yeah. it's like the the alien in Alien when their blood gets on you. (laughs) The bad guys from the mafia are like, all right, Luther, well, you're going to give us 10% of the take from all your girls. Trevette's like, oh, no, man, I can't do that. And they're like, string him up. They lift him up and they're about to dunk him in. And he's like, no, 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 okay, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. So they're like, ha, ha, we got him. And they let him go. And after they let him go, they stand around again, staring at the acid. It's like... For like 15 seconds, they're just like staring at this acid. Yeah. And, and another thing that was kind of like, uh, again, like I wish they kind of had learned a little bit with the show here. After Trevette just risked his life going undercover as a pimp, he runs outside and the junior cops, Gage and Sydney, are outside like, oh, he made it out alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, show Trevette some respect here. That or they just knew that he wouldn't get in trouble. He'd find his way out. Trevette can handle himself. We see this later. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at Frank's spot, Sonny runs into Frank, and Sonny kind of threatens Frank's family, which really touches a nerve. And on stage, he just doesn't have that same zip, which (laughs) I would say is kind of like his normal performance, but it clearly was noticeable to his family who looked extremely dismayed by his performance. Yeah. They're like, you and, suck. Uh, Alex and Walker even noticed it. Yeah, and Alex and Walker came back the next night to see him again. He's doing the same tunes. Dude. They're fans. They're friends and fans. They're friends yeah. and fans. But get this. Walker and Alex are blowing off some steam by going out to the jazz club in the opening scene, right? 
blowing off some steam. Yeah. Throwing a few back. Same week, they go over <laughs> to their house to eat, right? <laughs> they see him again. <laughs> They're going to hang out with these friends three times in the same week. Go back yeah. to the jazz club again. Well, you know, I mean. They got to film the episode. <laughs> Alex is pregnant. They don't have many friends who are kind of their age. You know, all their old friends uh, have either left town, been run out of town by bad guys, or are being coerced by the mob. Oh, wait, Frank is. Or they're dead. <laughs> yeah, all the other old friends yeah, are or dead. Or they're dead, yeah. <laughs> I guess they really have reached the bottom of the barrel of old friends. So, by Pretty the much. End. They're like, well, if we find someone who's willing to be friends with us and doesn't know that we spell trouble everywhere we go. While Alex is all like, man, what's wrong with him? Walker spots Sonny on one of the fancy VIP tables. Yeah, and he's level. like, oh, that guy's like a known loan shark. And so after the show, Walker goes to Frank's dressing room and Frank is holding a pistol. And when Walker knocks, he puts the pistol away. Right. And Walker's all like, oh, I just saw Sonny. He's bad news. And Frank's like, oh, no, we're old friends. And, you know, <laughs> he's great. And he's all good. And Walker's like, okay. And so that night, Frank creeps over to Sonny's place and is about to shoot Sonny with his gun. He's hiding, like, behind the corner of a brick building and spying Sonny doing whatever, maybe going home or whatever. And Frank pulls his gun. <laughs> Presumably to kill Sonny to protect his family and save his restaurant. You're like, wow, he's actually going to kill somebody. And just <laughs> as he's about to pull the trigger, Walker pins the Frankster up against the wall. Yeah. Sonny and the mafia guys go their other way and don't know what even happened. I'm like, okay, so the Frankster was just about to shoot a guy, right? Yep. And what does Walker, a Texas Ranger, do in that scenario? Do you arrest him? No, he's his friend first. Okay. That's where his loyalties lie. Like we said, friends are few and far between for Walker. <laughs> he either ends up getting him killed, they get run out of town. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's on his side. Okay. All right. So, he's like, hey, look, what were you thinking, man? Why were you trying to shoot Sonny? And Frank just spills his guts to Walker. Tells he's him, like, hey. I'm just going to kill my family and. Yeah, I took this loan. It was too good to be true when I needed the money to start the restaurant. And all these last three years, I've been paying off the mafia. And that's why we couldn't afford a nice house. And we thought we were going to be out. And they wouldn't let me out. Walker's like, oh, no, that's cool. Um, I can get you out of this. You just have to trust me. And he's like, <laughs> all right, sure. And yeah, that's that. Follow my plan. Mm-hmm. So the uh, plan is formed. They now know, like, who the bad guys are because Trevette found out that it was the Ferrelli gang. So, Gage and Sydney go and they bust another dunking, an acid dunking. Um, <laughs> I can't that's a term. Yeah, and this poor guy during the whole fight, like, you know, it's a Gage and Sydney fight, so it's like all these acrobatics and stuff. Chance. And uh, the gimmick in this one is that, like, this guy's being lowered slowly into this vat of acid by, like, a chain. And <laughs> Gage has to keep grabbing the chain while fighting people off with no hands. Yeah. You know, at this guy's expense, who's, like, constantly getting lower and lower lowered into the <laughs> vat of acid. Um, so they save him, but none of the people there are talking, of course. So this is a classic Gage and Sydney trope where they go. 
they have a fight and all these great things happen, but then nothing actually comes out of it. They like have this epic fight where there are all these stunts and everything, and they might have a bunch of people in custody, but no one talks, or they might just try to talk to them and they won't get any information. They're good at fighting, but they're not really good at getting information. Mm. Mm. They don't get results. Bob, how would you explain the sound effects when uh, Gage was kicking guys on that upper (laughs) level while holding a chain? So a couple things here. Um, (laughs) Brian sets their orchestra music throughout this whole fight scene was pretty great. (laughs) And then not only were the sound effects super loud, the the punch and kicking (laughs) sound effects were super loud, but they also had echo to put them in the room that they're in. There was like echo on these punches. Oh, man. There was one kick that Gage did. And mind you, he's standing like on like the <laughs> upper level of a warehouse, like the scaffolding, holding this chain. He did a kick that was like rapid succession. It was like... Right, oh, yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. But I was like, how is that physically possible? And he's holding a chain with a, another guy on the other end. <laughs> right. That's a classic Gage move. It's like the double high kick. That was pretty awesome. Sydney so. <laughs> was no slouch either. She was throwing down. So. Yeah, like springing off of walls like a cheetah. <laughs> Honestly, this <laughs> probably was the most enjoyable scene of the episode, besides Trevette in his pimp suit. <laughs> yeah, they threw down, but obviously got no results. No one's talking. So now it's time for them to go to the courts. And uh, according to Alex, they can't really get a warrant for anybody, but According to the judge, they can just place wires anywhere in Frank's place because, I mean, Frank does own it. So, sure, why not? And so they'll uh, impinge on people's rights and put bugs everywhere in Frank's spot. And not only that, Gage and Sydney are going to go undercover because Frank's going to be wearing a wire and that's super dangerous. So uh, Gage goes undercover as a bartender and Sydney goes undercover as a cocktail waitress. Mm, Let me guess. And, uh, you know, classic uh, hijinks ensue, of course. Most definitely. Mm. Um, so, Frank walks in. Sonny's kind of questioning Frank about, hey, you know, Saturday night, is everything ready? Because the big boss is going to come and you're going to sign that document, that kind of thing, and sign the club over to us. Are we good for it, right? We better be. And while he's talking to Frank about that, Gage and Sydney walk in and Sonny is like, who are these knuckleheads? And Frank's like, oh, these are the new hires. You know, we're going to need some extra help. Saturday night's going to be busy. Sonny starts grilling Gage about how to make mixed drinks. And we kind of alluded to this earlier at CD's Grill. <laughs> Evan, what were some of the drinks that Sonny was asking Gage hmm. if he knew how to make? I'm just going to recite this for you. So, <laughs> so Sonny's all like, say I'm a customer. I order a guillotine. What do you do? Gin, brandy, lemon juice in a glass, and strain it over ice. What about a bloody bowl? Vodka, tomato juice, a little hint of lime, and a bullion cube. Dirty ashtray. <laughs> Frankly, I wouldn't let you drink that swill. I'd cut you off. You've already had enough. <laughs> Gage had all the right answers. Sure did. And there's some swanky tunes. Now... I will say throughout most of this episode, they actually had a legit big band playing everything. Yeah. During this scene, they're back to like the Walker, Texas Ranger fake music. <laughs> yeah. He gives the business to Gage and it's like saying, testing them to make sure he knows how to make drinks and stuff. And he passed and I'm like, well, so what is he going to do for Sydney? And, and he just looks at her and goes, you good girl. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, come to find out, uh, Gage used to be a bartender in college, so he knew all the tricks. Of course. He also <laughs> uh, was asked where he used to work, and he said, down at the Kit Kat Club. Ooh, Do we put so, that on the list for bars? Yep. Oh, I put it on there. Okay, yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's another <laughs> bar name too. It. We'll we'll see in a little bit later, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. So you know, Gage, he's got all the answers. He's just like the bailout king in this episode. Um, <laughs> he passes with flying colors. Meanwhile, back in uh, Ranger headquarters, Alex, Walker, and Trevette are staring at the Ferelli crime family tree, and it's just basically this like science fair project poster board <laughs> with big big eight by ten uh, shots of people set up on it <laughs> oh my god this is like my favorite prop i've ever seen it's so good it's got the ferelli family including <laughs> billy ferelli and uh billy ferelli is actually played by paul dion monty who is the cousin of the stallones okay 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 also, from what I can see uh, on the internet, he is the recipient of some significant hair plugs. Good, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. And uh, not only does it have the Ferrellis on it, it also has some uh, fringe guys who uh, run the pimp circuits. And uh, these two guys, if I were to see a spinoff from Walker, Texas Ranger, it would be Chachi and Satch. Yeah, yeah. And Chachi and Satch are the two guys who are uh, shaking down who they think is Luther for the money from pimps in town. So Chachi and Satch, they're the real deal. And they're basically like, well, I guess we're just going to have to get them on racketeering charges. And Walker's like, I want to bring down this whole ring. And Alex is like, you can't possibly do that. And he's like, watch me. (laughs) And they set the trap for sure. Meanwhile, back at Frank's spot, uh, Gage and Sydney decide, oh, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go plant my bug over here. And they're like talking completely out in the open. Like, oh, I yeah. think I'll plant my bug on the VIP table. Yeah, yeah. Where do I put this microphone? Oh, um, I'm going to go yeah. put this one in the office over here. How's it look, Sydney? Can you see it yeah. over here? Is it hidden? Yeah, yeah. Testing, testing. One, two. <laughs> right. And, FBI, uh, so, can you hear me, FBI? <laughs> so the liquor distributors show up and they're just dropping off the booze for the place and Gage signs for it and they're on their way out and Sonny he says to his henchman Al he's like oh wait we gotta stop them I gotta shake them down for money too they run outside to catch up with the liquor distributors and that's when uh, Sydney sneaks into the office to plant her bugs which don't really end up doing anything because it all happens like the same day so the bugs don't really do anything but it was just a plot device to have them in the episode do something (laughs) yeah yeah do something useless as usual (laughs) i think besides chachi and satch this next scene is my favorite because sunny tries to shake down the liquor distributors (laughs) and the actors playing the liquor distributors might not actually be actors they might be liquor distributors (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> Sonny's like, hey, you just dropped off that booze. We want 5% on all of your commissions from here on out. And the guy's just like, huh? what? <laughs> <laughs> what are these cameras? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He's like, yo, I can't do that. And the guy's like, you better do it or you better find a different county to distribute alcohol in. Capiche? 
Yeah, he did say good piece. Then, like, his big henchman looks over at him, and it's a classic, like, walker, where they just show a half a second clip of, like, five different people's expressions. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like, all right. And then he just gets in his car and drives off. (laughs) It's so good, though. And that was their way of shoehorning the phrase capiche into here. So we know that it's definitely a mob thing. Had to be done. Yeah. And they come back in while Sydney is in the office. And so there's some suspense, but Gage is able to delay them by spilling a drink on Sonny. And she gets out just in time. Yeah. Then um, Frank shows up at the nondescript plumber truck. It's actually called Duke's Plumbing. Nice. But Frank shows up and he's driving like a Mercedes convertible, a vintage Mercedes convertible. I'm like, Frank might be skimping on his apartment, but uh, he's not skimping on his car. He's got an image to maintain. He's a Frank Sinatra, you know? He's a man about town, you know? He's the Frankster. Yeah. Yeah. He goes up to the back of the surveillance van and he's like about to knock on it to let them know he's there. And the music's like, like it's supposed to be suspenseful, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But someone actually opens the door before he can even knock. (laughs) And he's sort of surprised by it. It was Chuck. He knew. He just had his Chuck sense. He could sense it. It's a Walker sense. And mind you, we haven't really seen much of Chuck do anything in this episode besides chill out at a jazz club. And he looked uncomfortable. Right. So they put the wire on Frank and he's like, okay, I'm good. I'm going in now. He goes into the bar and then immediately in the dressing room takes his shirt off. Yeah, that was... uh... (laughs) And the thug Al walks in and he's like, Sonny's going to be so pissed to see this. Yeah, because he sees his wire because he has his shirt off blatantly. (laughs) Dummy. But after the scene, I was like, you know what? He probably was changing into his stage clothes. Yeah, for his singing. Yeah. So I kind of get that. Yeah, yeah. But maybe they would have just been like thought ahead, like, hey, you're going to be singing, so why don't you just show up in your stage clothes so we don't have to right. do this crap again. Or maybe lock your door. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Frank's like, well, I can't let Al get away. And so he tries to fight Al, who's like four times his size, and starts taking him out. But don't worry. Gage is there with the bailout again. Gage comes in, and the two of them are able to take out Al, fortunately. And then... Gage sends Frank to see Sonny to try to get some incriminating stuff on the wire. And Gage comes in again and he's like, Sonny, Al's parole officer came and took him away. So that's like bailout number three or four here. Right. He's the Swiss army knife of Texas Rangers here. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Between the conversation with Sonny there and then Sonny flirting with Sydney, he's like, you're pretty hot. (laughs) <laughs> I want you to uh, be the waitress for the VIP table tonight. It's going to be really important, so wear something real nice. Yeah, he's like, uh, you know, you're dressed as a cocktail waitress now, right? So uh, <laughs> I want you to Google slutty cocktail waitress and wear that. <laughs> Dress in something a bit sexier, but something you can still do karate in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what, That was the directive. <laughs> So, everyone now knows something big is going down that night. Saturday night when he needs to sign the dock. Meanwhile, uh, Trevette, as Luthor, heads on down to the bar to uh, bring in his uh, weekly cash to Chachi and Satch. He meets them at a bar called the 38th Special. Nice. (laughs) That's killer. He's wearing his, like, skin-tight neon yellow shirt and gray skin-tight pants and his pork pie hat 
<laughs> and uh, you know, he gives them some marked bills. And as he's leaving, these two goons meet him outside in the alley, and they're like, "You're not a pimp. You're a Texas Ranger. You booked me." Right. And yeah. Trevette's like, "Well, I can't say otherwise, so I'll just beat the crap out of you." Yeah. Right. And you're, and you're thinking, did they send these guys out? I think they were just totally two random other guys that just saw him and yeah. overheard the conversation. Trevette single-handedly takes him out, and he does some pretty badass moves in this. This is like the most brutal thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, one guy's got a pool cue, and, and uh, another guy's got like a bottle. And he like kicks the guy with the bottle, takes the bottle, grabs the pool cue, smashes that guy in the face with a glass bottle... <laughs> And then the other guy is just getting up from being flipped over, and he legit smacks the guy in the head with a pool cue. And, like, (laughs) I made a gif of this. But, like, someone gets hit in the head with a pool cue, like, hard. And the sound effect they use is, like, really gross. It's, like, a whacking noise, but, like, a wet wet wet. slushing noise. (laughs) It's, like, it just... Oh, it's so mad. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> but, like, he, someone actually gets hit in the head because there's, like, dust that flies when it hits. Well, hopefully it was balsa wood. Right, yeah, it was something. <laughs> so, Trevette takes these two guys out, and he kind of gets them both on their feet and carts them off screen. Yep. <laughs> well, like, he's heavily concussed both of them. Yeah, okay. Meanwhile, back at Frank's, the VIPs are showing up, and they all show up in the same car in the middle of the day and go sit at the VIP table, which the VIP table, do you guys notice how special it was? It's like right next to the bar, right near like the foot traffic. <laughs> right, like by the bathroom. <laughs> Might as well be yeah, where the bus boys go. Like. <laughs> right, it's in the middle of everything. <laughs> it's like the worst table in the restaurant. <laughs> there was nobody else in the restaurant, to be fair, right? Right. I mean, at that time, but don't you think they'd give him like that balcony that we saw earlier well, or privacy, like a booth yeah. over in the corner where they could Dad, do their business? These are big Italian guys. You get all those big Italians on one balcony. That balcony is just going to crumble. I guess it's true. One of those guys was uh, the Stallone's cousin. So it's a little portly. Yeah. So they try to get Frank to sign over his bar right then and there. Frank is wearing his wire still. So mm-hmm. and Walker's listening to everything that's going on. And basically, they threaten his life, not so subtly. Right. And then he signs it. Mm. And then Chachi and Satch bring in the marked bills. And that's Mm. when the Rangers bring in the law. Because they're like, oh, (laughs) the money was transferred here, laundering. Boom. Walker Texas Ranger episodes are like a powder keg. And you're waiting for them to explode. And you hope the explosion lasts more than 10 minutes. Or includes actual explosions. Mm. Yes, exactly. (laughs) This is really where judgment rests. Yeah. And the Rangers come in, and then everyone decides to fight everybody. (laughs) Exactly what we'd expect. Yeah. Some ridiculous big band music. (laughs) When they play music like this during a fight, it feels like the old Batman. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This scene was exactly like the old Batman show. I think one of the dudes takes a nut shot from... uh... Is it Walker? Do you have a nut shot somebody? (laughs) Chachi got it in the nuts, man. <laughs> was that what? <laughs> yeah, Walker need Chachi in the nuts. <laughs> Very unWalker-like move, but I guess late in life he he's kinda... like, oh! yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, the good guys win. Walker says to uh, Frank, who got into some of the fighting, but kind of just got almost kicked over a banister 
you take a good kick, Frank. And Frank says, you give a good kick. (laughs) And uh, that's when everything's back to normal here. They've cleaned up after all the fighting. Well, uh, the shark bites. uh. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Uh, fake Sinatra takes us out with uh, a Sinatra classic, Mac the Knife. (laughs) Yeah. A Frank does Frank. Talk about swank. Yeah. (laughs) He did sing all these, though, for real in the episode. Let's give him credit. I don't think we've actually said that. You know, he has a good voice, and by that I mean he has the same range as Frank Sinatra, which is like a half an octave. <laughs> right. Yeah. But within that half octave, he sounds all right. He works sure. it. He had a great stage presence. Yeah, I'll go. I guess. Okay. <laughs> he was there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He had a great stage presence in that he was on the stage. <laughs> Does it end on Mac the Knife? It does. It's like five minutes of him singing Mac the Knife. Mm. And I came across the most random thing from Boston.com, which is a subsidiary of the Boston Globe. Frank Stallone's version of Mac the Knife on Walker, Texas Ranger made it into a blog post they did about odd cover songs. Yeah, I could see that being an odd cover song. And they say, place this one in the category of things I never thought I'd see. It doesn't stray too far from the Bobby Darren version, but it's an awkward scene in Stallone's nightclub as it seems like Chuck Norris would rather break it down to someone like Garth Brooks. Frank Stalloniacs have the newest Rocky film That's to look forward thing. to as according to IMDb, the multi-talented Stallone will play the important part of street corner singer. <laughs> He's a busker. <laughs> All right. Well, that about sums up this episode. We'd love to give a shout out to our friend and collaborator, Adam Lauritsen, who's been drawing the amazing Walkerstrations that you see on our social media. Be sure to check out his other art on Instagram at adimaginationrunamuck. When we come back, it'll be time for us to each rate Saturday night on a scale of 0 to 10 boots to the face, resulting in our patented Roundhouse Roulette episode ranking, the complete results of which are available on our website, roundhouseroulette.com. Don't go away. Whoa, whoa! Cut me down, man! What? What are you doing to me? You know darn well what we's doing, Bobby. You's gonna give us a 10% stake in your Round Us Roulette podcast, or we gonna drop you in this here vat of acid. But we're just doing this for fun, man. We got no stakes to share. <laughs> well, you's better find a way to turn profit, or we's gonna drop you in this here tank and melt your bar down to the bone. Oh. Hey, podcast listener. Not sure how long you've been here, but you caught me in quite the predicament. We here at Roundhouse Roulette have pledged to deliver the light of Walker, Texas Ranger to the world. If you'd like to join us in that mission, please share the pod with a friend or leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps other Walkerites find the cast. And if by any chance you want to save me from being dropped in acid, we've recently added some fresh merch at roundhouseroulette.com. Or you can join the fun on our Patreon page. Most importantly, though, we thank you for listening. Hey, that was some pretty good advertising, Bobby. You might just live to eat some of Nona's spaghetti again next week. Bring them down, boys. Ah, thank heavens. Just in time, too. I have to get back to the show. Welcome back. I got to get some of that marinara off my shirt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> spicy meatball. <laughs> What did you guys think of this episode? Uh, yeah. So, hmm. 
<laughs> what do you think about me? I enjoyed this one. I don't know if it really is checking all the boxes that we typically look for, but um, I think between the music, the sound effects, um, <laughs> the fights were kind of underwhelming, but I dug the theme. You were jazzed, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I was feeling it, man. I'm on the six on this one. I think I would recommend this to other people just because of some of the ridiculous things. <laughs> Bob's usually pretty harsh, so a six is pretty high praise here. Yeah. He considering just, yeah, considering what went into the episode and six is pretty high, but I'm I'm sticking by it. Oh Bobby's back in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could have yeah, it was Mac the Knife just really <laughs> I love swing music more than most. I like the big band music more than most, but I couldn't I couldn't really get behind this episode. <laughs> when I first heard yeah. that it was going to be a season nine episode, I was like, oh, sweet. We get to see some Gage in Sydney, which, meh. But it also means that their budget was huge, so they could just blow a ton of stuff up. It's been four weeks since we've seen an explosion, not mm. since The Road to Black Bayou Part 2. Oh, so my, I might want to bring my score back down. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just like, oh, season nine is going to be some explosions. Nothing. Right. And then, you know, Chuck Norris, like no action. No. Uh, he did kick a guy in the nuts, though. He, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> Uh, so I gave Lucas Part 2 a 4, and that was mostly because there was that crazy, trippy dream sequence. And then the final fight with Walker at the end, he's like, roundhouse kicking like you cannot believe. Right. And this one, the bad guy's not really that menacing. Walker doesn't really do any fighting, and there are no explosions or anything. But I'll give it a 3, mostly because there's swing music and Chachi and Satch. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this to somebody mainly because it doesn't demonstrate really the power of Walker. And again, the show's called Walker, Texas Ranger. Some of the coolest parts about the later seasons like this is just how outrageous and bombastic the fights are. And when Gage, Sydney, Trevette, and Walker, all four of them unite and just start doing thunderclap kicks, that is awesome. The problem is if Walker isn't in the mix... He's just Walker, Texas delegator. I'm going to give this one a four because it was enjoyable, but it's just hard for me to recommend something that doesn't use our title character at all, really. Well, that gives this episode a roundhouse rating of 4.333 boots to the face. Ah! I think we can all agree that Rocky Five would have been better if it was a musical. But please let us know what you think on social media or by emailing us at roundhouseroulette at gmail.com. When we come back, we're going to spin that roundhouse roulette wheel and select next week's episode. And we're back. You ready to spin that wheel, Bobby? Here it goes. I think this is the one with Santana. This has to be the one with Santana. Season three, episode four, Mustangs. Walker finds himself fighting for his life after he attempts to rescue a group of federally protected Mustang horses from some unsavory ranchers. Nice. Huh. Walker enforcing the endangered species program, I guess. Mm. All right. Well, we hope you'll join us next week when we share our reactions to Season 3, Episode 4, Mustangs. In the meantime, share your opinions with us on Facebook and on Instagram at, at Roundhouse Roulette and on Twitter at, at Roundhouse Pod. 
and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Thanks for listening, and until next week, may the eyes of the ranger be upon you. When you're in Texas, look behind you. Oh, cause that's where the ranger's gonna be. Well, the shock bites and the bee stings. That's all I know. That's Swank-tastic. all she wrote. <laughs> Pearly white. Oh, man.